0: Hi everyone, this is Tom Miller, editor of SolarView Magazine, and today we're talking about disruptors, and especially the coronavirus, which of course is on the top of everyone's mind. Last week we saw multiple days of precipitous market drops, some of the largest since 2008, but here we are on Monday, March 2nd, and the markets are making a rebound, and central banks are saying they will help counter some of the impacts of the coronavirus. All that to say, there are just too many variables to make informed predictions on what the impacts of the coronavirus will be to the solar industry. But there are other things we can talk about in terms of how to prepare your business for uncertain times. And here to join me in the conversation, I have Baywa RE Chief Commercial Officer Daniel Moreno and VP of Operations David Dunlap. Thank you both for joining me today.
1: Happy to be here, Tom. Thanks, Tom.
0: So, I'd like to start off by looking at some past and possibly parallel disruptions and see if we can draw some lessons from those. And the first one that springs to mind are the import tariffs and the conversations we were having around those about a year ago. David, let's start with you. Do you see any useful parallels there with the tariffs and the disruptions we're facing from the coronavirus? Maybe in terms of planning ahead, thinking about your business goals, and maybe having a plan to scale them uh, when these types of challenges pop up. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah obviously it's it, it's a great question and it's it's a wonderful um, idea to go back and think about um, lessons learned from previous experiences i think in the case of the tariffs um, one of the the most important sort of pieces of context to keep in mind is um, that the tariff was was pretty much singularly focused around price as one of the variables and and really the the prominent variable um, and while we might have expected that if uh, a change in price was, was um, universal and everybody was gonna experience um, the impact of a price change all at once, which in theory was what the tariff was about. In reality, there were still some unknowns floating around. Um, there were some exemptions, uh, North American uh, manufacturing was exempt. Um, and so that created the, the belief that there was going to be a pretty massive price inequality or imbalance. That was going to last long enough that people had to do something about it, um, and all mm-hmm. of these disruptors um, are really about what is my place in the overall um, sort of food chain or or in the in the supply demand profile, um, and and do I really understand the the factors that I'm having to, to adjust to or, or compete against. Um, with the coronavirus, um, we've got a lot more potential variables with more unknowns about how they're going to play out. Um, whereas with the tariff, I think we kind of all believed that we knew we really needed to focus on price and the best way to kind of manage risk against price was to buy in advance and stockpile inventory to kind of keep it um, at the lower price for as long as possible. In hindsight, I think I said that that probably wasn't so smart of us because um, we, we didn't really do that um, in, a, in a collaborative way across the whole industry. And so um, much of the business that we uh, people within the supply chain, whether it was the manufacturers or distributors, expected to see revenues in uh, post-tariff environment, late Q1 and early Q2, actually recognized those revenues in the previous couple of quarters when everybody, you know, bought excess. And so the solution for the installer was I want to make sure and keep product at the competitive price prior to the tariff. So let's just move our sales up uh, by six months. We didn't really know that was happening, but I think that was the net effect of it. Um, so in this case, I think having more variables, more unknowns, it's really about as an installer, what is my position in the, um, in, in the supply-demand um, profile? What is my business strategy for procuring product? Um, what do I count on in terms of allocation or availability through my suppliers? What do I expect in terms of price stability? Uh, and what is my best course of action for for managing that as we go through this change? I think those are the conversations that, that should inevitably be coming up.
0: Yeah. Daniel, David is uh, highlighting um, a multivariable environment here. You know when we think about global supply chains that our industry relies on and the interplay between that supply and how that affects our customers' business day to day, you know does the coronavirus show us just how precarious our businesses really are? You know any insights into how other companies assess these risks and adapt or plan for them?
2: Yeah, thanks. The, the situation definitely highlights how interconnected the world is and how dependent global solar supply chains are on both on China, both for finished goods and the subcomponents like glass and aluminum that go into solar panels, for example. So far, we thankfully don't see a major impact in terms of our module inverter or energy storage products, but we'll keep assessing the situation and pass information on proactively to our installers, customers. Quality of information and trust between the buyer and seller is really the key to managing risk in the solar supply chain. We manage risk by planning well, by managing our supplier relationships, both locally and globally, constantly, and by sharing information across the supply chain points that we touch, whether it's on our vendor side or our customer side. We also manage risk through the contracts we write with suppliers, and we encourage customers to provide as much forward-looking information as possible about their businesses so that we can serve them and protect them better from the ups and downs of the industry.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's a great reminder on the value of planning ahead. Thanks, Daniel. And David, coming back to you in terms of risk and disruptors, I can't help but see another parallel here with climate change. Climate change might play out a bit more slowly than what we're seeing with coronavirus. But we do see immediate impacts with wildfires in California, power outages, and people thinking about buying batteries to increase their resilience and keep the lights on. But there's no doubt we're seeing, you know, the hottest summers on record year after year, more severe storms and drought. Any tactical or strategic suggestions on what contractors can do when they think about the impacts of, of climate change over the long term?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, and I think naming it as, as sort of the disruptor is a, is a good thread to pull on there. Um, I think at a tactical level, it's important for, for every uh, business to understand kind of their, their, their place in the world and, and understand what happens to me if um, uh, if I can't meet my weekly or monthly install schedule due to uh, flooding, right, or, or unseasonable rains or, or winter storms, um, how much can I absorb before my business is in jeopardy, right? And setting your your annual goals um, accordingly. So you've got in that case resiliency in the form of flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. If you think that you're in a relatively protected environmental space or or market where maybe you're not in California, maybe you're not in the southeast, um, that's seen a lot of the flooding recently. Um, here in New Mexico, we feel pretty fortunate that we're kind of isolated from a lot of these um, climate change effects. Um, so then the form of, of resiliency or um, uh, kind of risk profile might be more in the form of I need to be prepared for um, for supply chain changes or or price changes, so am I planning ahead with my supplier? Am I giving them good enough visibility that i 'm pretty assured uh, or very assured that I will have product when I need it and at a price that fits into my um, my sales plan um, do i Do I need to introduce maybe um, additional options? Uh, for switches of product um, from one to another when, when constraints show up? What is my current contract or, or sales plan uh, around product substitutions or, or price, uh, price adjustments uh, when those factors come to play?
0: Yeah. This this is a question for either of you. Maybe, Daniel, you can start off, though. Um, is there a strong case here to be made for more regional manufacturing? You know, if supply chains continue to be disrupted either by climate or viruses, do you think a more country-based or regionally-based approach is something we might be seeing more of? LG's got their uh, Alabama plant now. But, you know, on the other hand, maybe the global system we have is indeed the best system we have in terms of keeping costs low and keeping the doors open for innovation at the global level. Uh, Daniel, what do you think?
2: I think we'll see more pressure to diversify the solar supply chain, undoubtedly, uh, moving mm-hmm. forward, both both finished products and subcomponents. Uh, from a module perspective, and in terms of U.S. capacity, and the U.S. perspective, sorry, capacity will continue to ramp in Southeast Asia, almost certainly. And I expect to see some pressure building up to add more U.S. capacity. That said diversifying the supply chain for the subcomponents that make up the solar panel, that's glass, junction boxes, aluminum frames, etc. It's complex. It's expensive. So the jury's out relative to how quickly true diversification can happen and what the total adder will be um, in terms of a cost of a finished good and whether that makes sense economically.
0: Mm -hmm. David, any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I second what daniel 's saying. I think that right now um, you know the the glass that 's used for for p v manufacturing is is rather limited there 's not a diverse stream and I think it would be incredibly expensive and probably a long term prospect to ramp up a glass manufacturing facility in each regional country that also has module assembly in it, um, which would be kind of the, the answer uh, or, or one path that you're suggesting in terms of true regionality for manufacturing. Um, and, and those are challenges, right? I think we are in the world of a global economy, the commoditization of, of many products and solar is no exception kind of drives us towards centralizing on the most reliable, least expensive, largest scale manufacturing of those core components, um, and it, it's hard to kind of flip a switch and, and ramp some or all of those up or down according to to regional disruptors.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, David, sticking with you, how should we think about resiliency moving forward? You know, in an industry that does have so much competition and churn and new products, uh, complexity is always increasing. How can businesses be flexible enough to adapt but still achieve their concrete uh, objectives? And I think you touched a little bit on it before, but yeah, can we can we draw that out a little more?
1: Yeah, I mean, Daniel certainly will have something to add to this, but I think I think businesses do need to rely um, on partners that are best in class at navigating risk. Um, They need to work closely in partnership, um, both upstream and downstream. They need to communicate um, their needs and and their pipelines as far in advance as possible. Um, I think the manufacturer suppliers Need to be uh, really thinking about what could go wrong rather than simply optimizing on on a single more optimistic or, or focused plan path um, mm-hmm. I, I think if, if one thing that we're learning from climate change and, and other disruptors like that is things things do come up and, and what you know what are my um, second and third avenue paths and and how quickly can be can they be turned on and that's sort of the classic supply chain resiliency is do i have multiple sources that are sitting in you know in the wings and being used maybe at 10 15 percent capacity in my overall work but pretty much without a whole lot of advance notice i can ramp them up to 30 or 40 percent right right that's typically the, the manufacturing side
0: great daniel uh increasing resilience uh, what are your thoughts
2: I think David summed it up pretty well. I I think just for me in closing, uh, operational excellence and quality partnerships in the supply chain will ultimately lead to more cost savings for an installer than a marginally lower price point that's negotiated opportunistically deal by deal. Mm -hmm. That framework will, will lead to a more successful and healthier business.
0: Okay, well, I want to wrap it up here. Um, David, one final question. Is there anything specific we can say about the US reliance on Southeast Asian manufacturing? Are we less exposed to impacts than markets taking supply directly from China? You know, are we already in a more resilient space due to this?
1: I think we are Tom, and I think it's interesting um, because the the U.S. policy decisions around Chinese imports and and the creation of the Southeast Asia supply chain that is specifically for U.S. consumption, we could have been more in a more dangerous position had the outbreak occurred in in Malaysia or Vietnam, for instance. But given that the the disruption, the primary disruption to manufacturing, was centered in China that affects the Chinese domestic consumption of that manufacturing as well as the global consumption of Chinese manufacturing. Whereas um, for the US specifically, most of the Southeast Asia supply um, was relatively less disrupted. It had a, a sort of higher stock of the balance of materials, uh, the excess of the frame, glass, whatever. They already had some supply sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's there's some diversity of supply um, as well as more uh, comprehensive shipping and, and other outlets to, to get product from from those various countries into the U.S. So I think we are going to be in better uh, shape here in the U.S. We're gonna see probably a more diluted effect over a longer period of time rather than a particular spike in in constraint or shortage.
0: Okay, good thoughts, David. And I think that's a great place to leave it. My guests today were BayWa RE Solar Systems Chief Commercial Officer, Daniel Moreno and VP of Operations, David Dunlap. Thanks to you both for joining me today. Hope we can do it again soon.
1: Look forward to it, Tom. Thanks. Thank
0: Thank you, Tom.